Today, uh, I'm going to return to a subject actually that I have dealt with before, but it was some time ago, so I couldn't remember what I'd written down, and probably you won't either. Uh, and, and that is, well, who, what do you think by looking at that? Ooh. It's not the sort of style of picture that we usually in, engage in, but I want to talk about Mary. And, uh, you know, there's lots of stuff that, that uh, is around her, but I believe she has something really to say to us. I believe God has something to say to us uh, today. And uh, let's be open to hear what God has got for us. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through to 38. And the words come up in just a moment. There we go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and we will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never fail, will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What do we know about Mary? Actually, when you, when you look at the Bible and, and, and particularly the uh, Gospels, we know really very little about Mary. So let's just have a quick look to see what we do know. First, as to her age. Now, most people think she was a young to middle teenager. She wasn't very old when the angel came to her. She lived in this uh, village or city, as the Bible calls it, Nazareth. Nazareth in those days wasn't a very large place. You go there now and it's, it's pretty large, I understand. But then... 
and it was just a small out of the way place in fact it, it was sort of despised and people said can any good thing come out of Nazareth well something did <laughs> but, but that's, that's her background as it were we know nothing really about her parents nothing at all I mean there's been a lot of speculation but we know very little we know that she was betrothed she was engaged to Joseph betrothal in those days as I'm sure many of you are aware was was as definite as marriage and to break off an engagement like that would be considered almost like a divorce so she was betrothed to Joseph who was a descendant of David. It's likely that Mary too was, but certainly Joseph was a descendant of King David. So that's what we know about her from that. And thirdly, she was chosen. Chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus, who is to be the Messiah. We'll come back to that a little bit later. So, that was her age. She was betrothed. She was chosen. Actually, let's just take a pause here. Um, There are lots of later editions that have been added to Mary. Four main things, really. Others as well, but four main things uh, that other brothers and sisters hold on to. First, she's called the mother of God or in the Eastern Church, God-bearer. I understand that John Calvin wasn't too unhappy with this term, because in a sense, Jesus is God, and she is his mother, but it's not a term that we we particularly like, because I think it can be easily misunderstood. It's been official in in the church since a a council around about A.D. 431, not a a term that we use particularly. Many have considered that she's a perpetual virgin. The reason for that, of course, is that way back then there were people who thought that sexual intercourse was evil. How they squared that with the blessing of having families, I have no idea. But because of that, and to protect the purity of Mary, and ultimately the purity of her son, many said that she remained a virgin all her life, and those that we think were her brothers, or her other, sorry, Jesus' brothers, were not Jesus' brothers at all, but maybe his cousins. And that's been official doctrine of some parts of the church since 649 AD. And then, of course, that's taken further. Immaculate conception, what's all that about? Original sin passed on from one generation to the other. But Jesus can't have had original sin, can he? Any? Big questions. (laughs) But if Jesus didn't have original sin... How was Mary stopped from passing it on? Ooh. Well, maybe when Mary was conceived, God put a barrier there to stop it passing on. 
and that's called the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, Conception and has been official Catholic doctrine since 1854. Problem is with that, that just pushes the problem back one generation, if you think about it. And the final thing that some of our fellow believers uh, have is is her bodily assumption into heaven. So if Mary didn't have original sin, and if Mary was perpetually a virgin and pure, then when she died, could her body decay? Oh, no. So since 1950, it's been official doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church that her body on her death was taken immediately up into heaven. And that is celebrated on August the 15th. And if you're in Italy on August the 15th, you have the most marvellous meals that anybody can... Because <laughs> we've had it. And our hotel went bananas. And it was a wonderful feast because of, of that. And we have to say to brothers and sisters in churches that believe that, we understand why, you're, why you are protecting the purity of Mary, which ultimately we believe protects the purity of Jesus. But we have to say, with respect, none of that's biblical. And it's all speculation. And we respectfully disagree. Anyway, that was just a pause. Back to the fact that Mary was chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus Heather was um, telling her year two class, some years ago now, Heather was telling her year two class this story about the announcement of the birth of Jesus. And as she was telling the class, she threw out a sort of a random comment, I wonder why God chose Mary? <coughs> it's the sort of question that a teacher can throw out and you don't expect an answer. But in a class of six and seven-year-olds, guess what? <laughs> a little girl put up her hand. And, uh, I mean, Heather's told me this story loads of times, so I, I know it well. A little girl put up her hand, and, and Heather looked at the girl and said, yes, what, 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 would you like, what do you want? And this little girl said, I think I know why God chose Mary. Well... <laughs> Oh, why do you think so? And this little girl said, because God could trust Mary and Mary could trust God. <coughs> and, and from the lips of a child, I think that is one of the most <laughs> profound answers that you could give. Why did God choose Mary? Because God could trust her. And she, Mary, trusted God. So, there are two questions. Why? Why did God trust Mary? Wow. That's a big question. And secondly, how did Mary trust God? Why did God trust Mary? I think we can say this. Because Mary, and I don't believe she was perfect. I really don't. 
I think it's just an ordinary human being like you and me, subject to all the, the trials and pressures and ups and downs of life. And let's face it, she was only a teenager, and what a fantastic teenage example for teenage girls. Fantastic. But I believe, as a young girl, brought up in Nazareth by her, her family, she was devoted to the Lord and to his word. And I, can, I believe I can back that up. How? Well, because she knew the scriptures. How do I know she knew the scriptures? Well, after this, she went to her relative, Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth and Mary met, the baby, not just a fetus, by the way, the baby in Elizabeth leapt, sort of moved, because the baby recognised that he, as we know it was John, was encountering Jesus in that sense. Fantastic event. What did Mary do? She sang or said this amazing song which we now know as the Magnificat. That song is largely based on 1 Samuel chapter 2 <laughs> with other additions. You couldn't sing a song like that unless you knew your Bible, the Old Testament, that story. I am absolutely convinced that Mary knew her scripture. And you say, ah, but she was a girl. I thought girls were disadvantaged in those days. Yes, largely they were, but there's clear evidence that some girls, some women, made did exactly that and became important in the synagogues of the day. And what a fantastic family Mary must have had that they taught her the scriptures, that they exampled the word of God to her. And as a teenager, she reveled in God's word. And I think because she knew God's word as well, when the angel came to her. She, she knew what was going on. But we'll come to that in a moment. She knew the scriptures and she accepted God's now word. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing to accept the word of God written and that is, is beautiful and that is, the, that is the absolute standard for what we believe. But she also accepted that God speaks now and that this angel was speaking the now word of God to her and we can say that because at the, at the end of the passage that we, we read it said about and some translations say with God all things are possible but literally is that no word of God fails and the word there is not logos, which is the usual word for it, but karema. Now word. As an aside, take that as an encouragement. When God speaks to you, what he says, he will do. 
what he says he will do. And she believed that. And God knew that she would take that on board. And therefore he said, if I speak to her, I can trust her to believe what I'm saying to her. And I believe that overall then, this shows us that she, as young as she was, was a person of integrity who could be relied upon. God knew that if he gave this absolutely amazing, earth-shattering responsibility to her, she would see it through. Wow. Wow. which prompted me to ask myself this question. Does God trust me? You know, we often, I would say 99.9% of the time, we talk about us trusting God, which is right. But it is a big thing, isn't it, to suddenly think, yeah, hang on a mo. I'm encouraged to trust God, but does he trust me. Now, I'm, not, I'm putting this in human terms. God knows all about us. But, when he speaks, do I believe him? When he says something to me, do I really believe that? By golly, we had to when God told us to come back to Suffolk. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd come back, as I've said before. And he made it very, very clear that we should come back. Praise God he did. But, oh, that took some believing, I tell you. And it was a good job that God spoke to Heather at the same time. Independently. And then we both said together, we believe God wants us to go back to Suffolk. Anyway, what is there to compare with the wonderful Suffolk countryside to the area around the Dartford crossing? I mean, that's... <laughs> that had a hint of that in as well. When he commands, do I obey? You know, that's it. I know God is great, full of grace. But that doesn't mean he doesn't tell us what to do. And when he promises, do I trust him? What promises are you holding on to? There's some fantastic ones in the Bible. But what specific ones are you holding on to? What has God said? For you or your family or, or the future or, or something. What has God said? And are you holding on to that? Am I holding on to that? When he promises, do I trust him? And when he gives, <coughs> do I use what he's given to me wisely? And he's given, he's given all of us so much. Yes, he's given us Jesus and we're celebrating that. But he's given you specific talents 
He's got gifts that he wants to give you supernaturally. He's given you abilities. He's, he's given you specific, we could say the word grace, gift, for specific situations, whatever. When he, when he, when he gives, do I use what he gives to me with wisdom? Or do I neglect it, let it go? Wow. Didn't think Mary could teach us so much. So that was the first question. But our second question was this. How did Mary trust God? God entrusted her with the task of bearing Jesus. How in all of that and beyond did Mary trust God? I believe that we can say this, that she totally embraced God's will for her life. I'm going to say a a little bit more. I keep saying I'm going to say a bit more, and I will come to a bit more. But she heard the angel say, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. And because she knew the scriptures, she knew that when the Messiah came, God would speak in this way. She, how would you feel? I mean, honestly, guys, I don't know if we can feel like that, but ladies, how would you feel? That's God's will for my life. Now, I don't, I, I don't think this is a simple thing. This is, this is much harder than moving house, going to another area, taking up a different ministry, even going abroad. This is much harder than that. But she fully embraced what God was saying to her. Let it be according to your word. God's word doesn't fail. Let it be according to your word then. The word of God that's come to me through you, she said to Gabriel. She embraced it. I was pretty uh, sad that I couldn't get to the Pioneer Conference in Malaga this year in September, but I've been started to listen to some of the ministry that was there. And it was interesting that... uh, one of the speakers said, oh, years ago, we used to have, and I think he was talking about the Stoney Bible Weeks, he said, years ago, he said, we used to give appeals for people to go and plant churches. And he said, loads of people used to come forward to say, yeah, we'd like to go abroad and, and plant churches. And he said, really, in effect, it was one thing answering an appeal And another thing, embracing what God had for you. Because one of the things that we've discovered when when we've met with people who've who've been abroad pioneering, planting churches is this, and I know others here have met the same thing, is that to do that, it can be rough and tough and difficult. It isn't the big glamorous thing that in a big rally... We'd like you to come forward if you want to plant a church. That seems exciting, adventurous, 
you know, and hey, if we do this, it's going to be success, 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 success. No, it isn't. It's not even success, success, success when you're trying to lead the church in the UK. Let her go off somewhere else to do it. But if that is what God has said, that's what you embrace. Because if God has said it, then you do it. And actually he empowers you to do it. But it is no picnic, not on that level. And actually, on many other levels, whatever God has said to you, for you to do, it doesn't mean that there are going to be angels singing all the time over it. And it's it's just going to be really one big happy party. No. Just look at the life of Jesus. Actually, just look at the life of Mary. It isn't like that, folks. But his grace is sufficient. And so Mary embraced the will of God and she kept going from, from the word go. Let's look at it, from the word go. My goodness. She was, she was met by an angel. How did the angel come? Was she, was she in their room and the angel suddenly materialised? That's enough to frighten anybody to death. Did, did, did he actually knock at the front door and she let him in? I haven't a clue. But she, the angel appeared to her and when he started speaking, she knew she was encountering someone very different. <coughs> Because she began to hear the word of God through this being. I'd be afraid. Mind you, the Bible says we may have entertained angels unaware of it, but please don't think of Gabriel as coming in and trying to get his wings through the door. He didn't like that. It's just, just a man. But I guess, and I'm speculating here, a very imposing figure. Someone that you knew you had to listen to. Someone whose whose strength of being made you stop and pay attention. Greetings. God is with you. You're highly favoured. A lot of grace is being given to you. Not that you are full of grace, sorry, Catholic friends, but that grace is being given to you. God's with you. Now, you don't know what else is coming at this point. And if somebody came up to you and said, God is with you, you think, hey, up. <laughs> What does this mean? (laughs) And Luke tells us she was unsettled. I would be. I mean, sometimes when someone has said, brother, I've got a word for you. Don't you think, what's coming now? (laughs) This is magnified. This is magnified. Wow. No wonder she was unsettled. 
But she didn't stop him. You're going to become pregnant. Well, was this a sign of favour? Forget the fact that at the moment that she was a virgin, that's difficult enough to accept. But think of the social situation of the time. What would have happened to the woman who had been caught in an adulterous situation that was brought to Jesus? They wanted to stone her. (laughs) What would have happened to Mary? She's pregnant, not by Joseph. It means she must have committed adultery. For the angel Gabriel to say to her, you're becoming pregnant is like passing a death sentence. The trouble is, all our nativity plays, all our Christmas cards and everything, sees Mary accepting this in in such a serene way as if it's the most common thing in the world to happen. This wasn't. This put her life in danger. Literally. A sign of favour? How, how can this be? Just think of it. Mary's still a teenager. And God is saying this to her. Well, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. What? Now, she knew, because it was taught in those days that when Messiah was coming, the word of God, which had been silent for 400 years, would come again. She knew that. Me? The Messiah? So, on the one hand, she gets a a sort of death sentence. On the other hand... She's got the most enormous promise that any living human being could ever have. It's enough to send anybody over the top. Hang in there. How's that going to happen? Well, the Spirit's going to come. You mean the spirits that only descended on a few people in Old Testament times? That same Holy Spirit is going to come to me and and produce a baby and going to be with me? Just think of this huge, huge thing that Mary was being asked to accept. I guess she was absolutely pleased to hear about Elizabeth. Why? Why? Because first of all, it gave someone who would believe her. Secondly, it probably would be a place of escape so she could work out what was happening. Because if she walked down in the street pregnant, the mob would would pursue her. Albeit under the righteous indignation of the time. But she hung in there. And she hung in when she went to Elizabeth 
and she sang that magnificent Magnificat that magnificent song she hung in there when Jesus was born she hung in there when the, the shepherds came and saw the infant child she was still there when eventually the wise men turned up and then she realised that Herod was after her son she stayed with it when they had to escape like refugees to Egypt. She stayed with it when coming back. They couldn't go back to Bethlehem because that appears to be where they wanted to go back. They went to Nazareth, back to Nazareth instead. She hung in there when Jesus was talking at the age of 12 to uh, the priests in the temple being about his father's business. She hung in there she hung in there when the rest of the family, and perhaps she included, began to wonder if Jesus was a bit mad and they sent messages. What are you doing? How are you? You know that you're bringing trouble on yourself. She hung in there when she stood at the foot of the cross as her son, her flesh and blood, was being executed. What anguish must she have felt as a mother? She hung in there. And then she knew that Jesus was alive. And she was there when the Spirit came. She stayed with it. Through tremendous ups and appalling downs so just questions do I know what God's will for my life is what has God said to me I embraced it. Do you know, there are two ways, really, that you can accept God's will. One, one is, oh, well, if that's what you want, God, I better do it. <laughs> a bit like a, bit like a naughty <laughs> child. <laughs> or you can say, I'll embrace this. I don't understand. But I know that his will is good and perfect and that his grace is sufficient what is God saying to me now maybe he isn't saying anything maybe, maybe he has said maybe he's, he, there's nothing he wants to say to you at the moment but there will be a time he'll want to speak to you and if he has spoken to you what has he said? And are you keeping going? It's not always easy, is it? You know, many, many, many years ago when we were first on Southwold Beach Mission, just sort of teenagers, just ourselves really, there was this guy and he taught a lot about personal evangelism. 
And we were able to watch him as he, he spoke to kids, he spoke to teenagers. He was absolutely brilliant. Two years later, we'd learned that he had walked right away from God. Why? I think of an elder uh, that I knew. I think of someone who had a great grasp of the scriptures, was able to expound it. He now says it's a load of rubbish. I think of someone, another man actually, I think of someone who had a fantastic prophetic gift, could stand up in an, a, a meeting like this and you knew God was speaking because his words came with authority and power. Absolutely nowhere today. That's sad, isn't it? It's awful. Mind you, I think of a young girl who was baptised and she wasn't the best educated person. She had just a basic faith. But she went to Bible college and then she came back and said, God's given me a vision for this place. And we met her in August and she's still got the vision and she's still serving God and she's still seeing people trust Jesus. She kept going. That's wonderful, isn't it? You know, I think, I, I think of some of our pioneers. I've spoken about how tough being out, and, uh, out on, on the field, if you like, it is, you know, planting a church. But I think of, of David Jones in Latvia. Been there years. He's seen the church rise. He's seen the church fall. He's seen the church rise again and fall. But I tell you what, he keeps going. And he's a joy to meet with. Keep going. And I can think of one or two saints in this place. Here. And you've kept going. And you've hung in there. And God has blessed you. And God continues to bless this church. Because some of you have said, we're not giving up. We're hanging in there. We're going to stick with it. We haven't always liked everything that's happened, but we've been through the ups and we've been through the downs and we've kept with it. And I believe, friends, God honours you. He does. That you've stuck with it over the years. And by God, hasn't it been tough? And I can't speak from knowledge because I've only been here since 2014. Some of you have done much longer than that. Praise God that you've stuck with it. And current people, are we going to stick with it? So, two questions. Slightly transformed now. Does God trust me? Do I trust God? That's, that's the biggest. Father, thank you. Thank you for Mary. Thank you for her example and witness. Thank you that you totally trust her. And 
over the years she proved that that trust was right. Lord, help us to be the sort of people that you can trust. Help us, Lord, to be to be that sort of those sort of people that you say, I can trust him, I can trust her. And Lord, help us to trust you through the power of your spirit. Lord, we want to tell you again that we love you, we worship you, we praise you, we honour you. We want to remain faithful to you. We want to, to serve you with our heart and soul and whole being. We want others to come to know you. We want to see your kingdom grow in this place, your church to be built, Jesus to be honoured and glorified. Lord, that's what we want to see. Give us your grace, give us your power, give us your goodness, that we might, in all things, bring you the honour and praise and glory. Lord, you're worthy, and we bless you. Amen.